0: there's no denying the importance of it. You know um, it's a tough road trip. Um, You know, we're playing good baseball uh, but we understand the importance of, and the urgency of every day, especially this time of the year. And, and obviously uh, but we look forward to that challenge of going to play some really good teams on the road.
1: Flip that's manager Aaron Boone talking about the importance of the upcoming Yankees road trip. We'll undoubtedly get into that. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit about this recent hot streak. The Yankees have won nine out of their last 12, four straight series. What has been the catalyst of this hot play flip?
0: Um, starting pitching has been really good. Uh, that's really helped them, uh, obviously, the fact that they've started to hit. Um, you know, I know that the, the there is a, a league wide, game wide uh, emphasis on the offense now because. Uh, you know with spider tack being having been removed from the game um there's been uh the hitters are you know start to be able to make contact again so the pendulum has swung more toward offense but the 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 yankees are certainly hitting the ball and they're certainly uh, pitching well and then and despite the the problems that were caused by the the COVID situation, uh, the Yankees are, are continue to persevere with a uh, a lot of you know young and 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 uh, terrific uh, you know call ups from uh, from Double A AA and Triple A who, who have done the, to talk about holding the fort. I mean these guys have really held the fort, and you know you, if you're going to win at the end of the day, you got to get help from unexpected places, and the Yankees are getting a lot of help from unexpected places here. But but and they're playing well. So it's, I, you tip your hat to them for as bad as they had been playing for so long, the Yankees are starting to write the ship and the, the the you know the pendulum is starting to swing back the other way now. So the Yankees have momentum and they're on a run at the moment.
1: They are, and it was just a few days ago where you know you guys like Judge or Shella, Boyt, Luizaga, even and Duhar You know we could go on. They go down, and it, it, it was time to get nervous, I think. But then guys like Greg Allen, Ryan Lamar, Esteban Florial, you know they all come in and they're injecting this like. This level of excitement, um, a different brand of Yankees baseball, too. We're seeing a lot of speed. We're seeing some bunting. We saw Glaber on Wednesday night lay down a big bunt. Um, it's just a different brand of baseball. And it looks like they're having fun, too.
0: I saw I saw Allen last night stand on second base and uh, motion over to, to, to Tyler Wade at first. Like, uh, you know, he saw something in the windup and he basically standing on the base telling him, let's go steal. Let's do double steal. Let's double steal. And they went. The, the, the next pitch, they did it. I mean, he stood right on the base and said. I mean, we saw it. Uh, and he stood right on the base and said, you know, let's uh, see. Watch his leg kick." We said, "Watch his leg kick." I mean, he picked it up right then and there, and then if they went. So, I mean, they're stealing. They're going first to third. They're stealing. I mean, they, they, you know people are scoring on from first base on you know extra base hits in the gap. I mean they really are busting it out and they, you know, they're not leaving it. They're leaving it all on the field. They're playing really hard and they're playing really well. And, you know, yes, some of these, some of the younger kids, I mean, a lot of the players of the league doesn't know them yet. Second or third time through the lineup is going to maybe may significant uh, time around the league may be significantly different in some cases, but, but some of these guys have really have, uh, have opened some eyes in the Yankee organization and are playing extraordinarily well.
1: I know it's only five games, but um, Greg Allen, I love that trade. <laughs> They gave up uh, James Reeves, a minor leaguer, like he's twenty-eight, um, to the Padres. Did you see? Um, speaking, of going back to fun, did you see Didi Gregorius stick his tongue out at? Uh, yes. It, not Didi. I'm sorry. Glaber stick his tongue yes, out at Didi. At Didi. That Didi, was so-
0: when he hit the home run. Yeah, he was running between um, going between second and third, and he stuck his tongue out at. at uh, T D, yeah, it's it's fun. It's it, it's a little gamesmanship, but you know what? But they're obviously good friends. I mean, you, usually, you, you, anytime you could, you not only a teammate, next teammate, but in that shortstop, second base, you know, combination, they have to play so close together and spend a lot of time. You know, you know, uh, getting, taking practices together and you know, being instructed together and and just spending you know general time with each other. You know, is, is having a having a, the infield position in common. So it's a. Um, it's quite, it's quite, a, it's quite a wonderful thing to see the, that, and that's that, that's the that's the fun part of the game.
1: So if Glaber can do that at work, just stick his tongue out at people. You think it's acceptable for us to do that?
0: Uh, 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 oh, uh, so this yes. is. <laughs> Yes, it is, was a, a speech that speech was your sticking at. your tongue up. That's gotcha. right. There you go. There you go. Uh, yes, it's um, you know it's all in fun. You know, as long as it's as long as it's all in fun, and then, uh, uh, then it's it's a good thing. The world doesn't have enough fun. We have we have too many days of stress as a society and as a as a world. So it's okay to have a little fun. Okay. So Ted, next time I
1: see you at work, <laughs> Flip said it. Flip said it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, okay
0: uh, before, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: before we go any further let's set the table i am kevin sullivan the president of the greg allen fan club alongside as always sports broadcasting hall of famer mr john j Filipelli and flip the greg allen fan club is accepting applications you want me to send you one
0: yes yes i'm happy to uh i'm happy to sign that uh, that application
1: Okay. So the entry fee is only $5,000, but you could just write me, Venmo me, Venmo me. Mm-hmm. I don't okay. know if you can Venmo that much, but you could uh, Venmo me.
0: I'll see what uh, I can do.
1: <laughs> we have a busy show today. We're going to uh, look ahead to the upcoming road trip as promised. We'll answer some emails, but before we do that, I think we should get to our guests. What do you think, Flip?
0: Great guest, um, Al Leiter, um, former colleague of ours at Yes for um, um, around a dozen years, I think. And um, just made that booth such a fun place, such a lively place. Really terrific broadcaster, an equally talented uh, Major League pitcher for many years, and uh, a couple of time World Series champion, and the father of Jack Leiter, who was the number two pick in the recent MLB draft, and you know, a blue chipper to say the least, and uh, uh, sort of a chip off the old block. So it's going to be exciting to watch his career.
1: Let's go to Al.
0: Welcome back to Curtain Call, John Filippelli, Kevin Sullivan. Our very special guest is the one and only the Al Leiter. Al, how are you this afternoon? He of the three World Series titles, he of the 162-win uh, Major League career, he of the numerous on and off the field awards, uh, a lot of charitable work through the years, and uh, uh, one of the better people in the game, one of the great citizens of the game, and one of our good friends of the game. So how are you, Al?
2: fantastic flip that's a very nice introduction i appreciate it
0: i kind of i did it off the top of my head i kind of i didn't really put a lot of prep over it <laughs> just so you know
2: what about did i hey by the way i did win an emmy uh while working for you
0: that's good how many emmys do you have now
2: uh, i got a few but i no, see no, a no, few back was, there i see a few so yeah that was actually significant because while i participate in the team effort of some of these emmys the New York one uh, for for the Yes Network was a uh, Game Analyst. Um, and then there was another one that I think Kenny Singleton and Michael and I had one f- as well. I know you got what you, what you have, like 142?
0: I, I don't count. That's more like 161, but I don't count. I, turn out the whole- <laughs> no, I don't know. Stop I have giving him away. I don't know, I don't know.
1: You've seen his office, Al, right? They're everywhere. Yeah.
2: I have, but I stopped counting after 140. But apparently, there's 160,
0: <laughs> 162. But like a fool, okay. it's like a major league schedule. Think of it like, hey, that.
2: by the yeah. way, and in my career with 162 wins. How 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 cool that, is that?
0: See, that's the significance. That's where I was going to go with this, but I figured that would be too trite. But you know, you know,
2: I was surprised, and I'll be all over the place because I I do follow the birdie. Um, today I was doing a show, and I did a breakdown on Kyle Hendricks. And Adam Wainwright, and I and I did it specifically because this was uh, a game in which they threw combined 13 and third innings, and they gave up three runs combined, and there wasn't one pitch over 90 miles an hour. Uh, Wainwright, as we baseball fans know, he does it with the curveball. Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs does it with a changeup. So I wanted to really uh, put a put a, uh, a highlight on that because you know, we see baseball, we watch it. uh, People listen to this podcast, mostly Yankee fans, but we see these guys with 95 to 100 mile an hour fastball. We're we're enamored with it, but yet uh, you don't locate it. A hitter in the major leagues will hit a speeding bullet. So I'm looking through Wainwright's uh, career numbers, just wondering where he lies as a Hall of Famer. And, you know, I'm only saying it because I was surprised thinking his career at least in strikeouts was more than this uh, old left-hander but he's a couple behind me right now flip would you have figured that he's a- i had and the only reason why i'm even bringing this up because when i retired with the yankees in 06 my one brother called me and he says what are you doing I'm like what do you mean he goes you need 24 more strikeouts for 2,000." I said, yeah, that's great, Kurt, but it's 3,000, not 2,000. <laughs> so then I'm pulling up Wainwright today, and he's got like twenty-one strikeouts. And I don't know, in this day and age, like, I think everybody's striking out, you know, a lot of guys, which they are.
0: It does, okay. it, does it amaze you, the, the transformation from even from your playing days to now and how the the, the, the the art of pitching has, has, has actually changed? It does.
2: No, it doesn't amaze me, and I'll tell you why. If we keep paying players to never get off of their a swing, and never, never shorten things up, uh, put the ball in play, grind out at bats, uh, you know, move the move the runner over, give yourself up, all of these beautiful cliches, maybe throw down a bunt occasionally. Um, they don't do that. Flip. You know that. We watch it all the time. It's okay to strike out. And, and how many times do we hear the old timers, the Hank Aaron's and others that were the greats of the game, that it was an insult if, if they were, if they got struck out now, Hey, they pay me to drive the ball over the fence. It's about OPS plus it's about my slugging and, you know, even home runs less about RBIs. Cause RBIs, according to the analytic community is just by chance. Nobody's ever stood on the mound and faced Joe Carter, second and third and two outs. So I don't buy that either, but they tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about because uh, the numbers uh, will show me that Joe Carter didn't do any better with runners in scoring position.
0: It's become a full-time job, Al, to keep uh, context, to explain to, and, and you do it so so beautifully. Um, you're, uh, I forgot to mention it when I was doing your little uh, run-up uh, as to your accomplishments. And One of the things I forgot to mention, actually, is what a very good broadcaster you are and Warren are and uh, it's it's hard to sometimes give context to all the different terms that are now inculcated as part of the game it's really hard to explain that sometimes you talk about ops plus i mean most people a lot of play- people don't really get the the significance of ops let alone ops plus yeah
2: so, uh, OPS plus is you, you anything above a hundred, you're above league average. Uh, I hear you flip. Uh, and I can't believe that I'm throwing this vernacular around. Like it's, it's in my back <laughs> pocket, but I guess I'm around long enough to know that. Uh, and, and it's true, right? Cause look, I, would it be fair to have it put an OPS plus on a leadoff hitter or OPS plus on a guy in the bottom of the lineup? that really is more about on base then worrying about whether he slugs the ball in particular um, hitting home runs. So I, I do think it's unfair, um, but yeah.
0: How'd you see the first half? You know, we've, we're halfway through now we're past the all-star break. How do you see the first half? How the surprises, like what teams have, uh, have you again, as an MLB analyst now, I mean, you, you observe and follow the, all the teams in the game. Anybody surprise you in particular? I mean, there's usually always some good stories out there. What stories are out there that you've, that you've particularly enjoyed following and that's actually been a surprise for you?
2: All right. So hands down, without hesitation, San Francisco Giants. There's no way uh, people across the game that watch this and look at their rostered and Farhan Zaidi, the, the president of baseball ops out there, um, is, a, is a great analytic guy, but there's no way that people thought that they'd be 25 games over 500 or two games ahead of, the Dodgers right now as we speak. And I just, I, I, I know we got it. We're placed now where we're beyond uh, half the season and you got to start believing this. So I am a believer, but it really tells me flip that, that the parody in baseball is terrific. And when you have teams that maybe when they're under the radar uh, acquisitions in particular, you know, who thought Kevin Gossman when he was offered the qualified offering, what they saw in him and an ERA under two um, Anthony Descalfani, who didn't have an offer after the Reds. And, you know, he he's a, a, an all star caliber pitcher and a, a ten and four at the time as we speak. Alex Wood, who would have thought of that? So that to me screams out on the positive side. I think on the negative side, without question, I think the most disappointing team um, is 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 the Atlanta Braves. And, and I, we could go into injuries. We could talk about it. Every team has injuries. I don't care. It's part of baseball. It's what's your depth. What's your player development when you bring up guys from the minor leagues? How much of a difference is it uh, with respect to your everyday player or even your bench guy from your A players? Um, and we'll see what happens. Look, they're four and a half games back in the Mets. I still think the NL East is super tight. Uh, I, I'd like to see some moves. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Really shame what you know happened with his knee. Um, MVP, all star caliber player. But I think while I say disappointing, only two games under five hundred, I think that that, that team uh, screams out for uh, some head-scratching. I think Minnesota on the, in the American League as well, exciting. We've been talking about it, Flip, uh, at least at the, at, the, at the Major League Baseball uh, you know, global level, is the White Sox. We knew what they were doing the last few years with accumulating young talent. I'm not surprised by their their 20 games over 500, uh, 600 play 600 ball, as well as San Diego, even though they're, you know, they're behind um, the Dodgers and the Giants right now. That that's a team two exciting players.
1: Looking ahead to the second half, Al, particularly the American League East, what do the Yankees have to do to make sure they're in the postseason?
2: Pitch. I mean, I I, I, I you you can you can bash the ball all over the place, but. I, I, I'm a little bit, a lot bit concerned, I'll, I'll say uh, with the respective fall off, if you will, after Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole's a beast, love him, love everything about him. Um, you know, he'll be, a, he'll be a Cy Young uh, conversation every year, uh, at least for in the foreseeable future. But the fall off after that uh, with Jordan Montgomery and Jameson Tyon, Domingo Herman, um, it's not strong enough consistently i don't believe and i and i say that with in, in conjunction with an inconsistent offense so if you're not going to get the the bashing uh blake street bombers the bronx bombers or what i experienced in toronto in 1993 when we had we had the one two three and batting batting champs and john Olerud, uh roberto alomar and paul Molitor, we just hit you don't. You don't need a. You don't need a team ERA in in the mid threes. You know you you could have a you could have a a team that wins ninety five to one hundred games with a team ERA in the high fours. Um, I just think there needs to be more depth there. I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about. Uh, 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 Chapman. Uh, I think there's enough bullpen there. Chad Green does a good job. Jonathan Wise, a guy like him as well. Um, definitely, you know, need some more uh guys to play into it i know zach Britton is just coming back you know he's got to find it um but i would say pitching and i don't know what's out there uh kevin as far as the availability of you know not just to bring an arm to to solidify the fourth or fifth spot like a guy i don't know if Corey kluber uh flipped you know what's his what's his time schedule
0: Uh, it's not for a while yet but uh you know he's making progress and they hope to have him by september i'm sure the end of August, I think. And
2: I was behind, I was behind that move guys. I, I, and the reason why, I mean, of course, if you have a significant injury here, Corey Kluber to me, was the modern day, uh, you know, Roy Halladay with, with respect to he, he, he won Cy Young's with, with movement and location and yes, still plus stuff really good breaking ball, very good sinker, uh change of combination, but guys that rely on 95 plus, they scare me as they if there's uh, dings and, and injuries because uh, you know they have to they have to resort to plus plus velocity.
0: If the Yankees if the Yankees could get themselves into October, which is they've got a chance. I mean, as as we record this, they're seven out in the East and they're three and a half in the second behind the second wild card. So there are teams, they have their work cut out for them for sure. But again, as we record this, they're about to open four games against the Red Sox, and they've got three against Tampa Bay after that. So, you know, the Yankees have a chance to, you know, to do some damage here. And if they can get in October they have a chance to go deep because I think because you've got Cole as you mentioned, but also Tyone has pitched really well lately. He's really sort of coming into his own, I think. And, uh, and Severino is due back shortly. So again, I don't know how long it'll take him to find his sea legs, but if he comes back and can come back and be some semblance of what he was, the Yankees all of a sudden have a kind of a formidable starting staff. And, and especially in October, we don't need, you know, five arms, you know, Uh, that's the way I, I look at it. But uh I, I kind of like them. I don't, I, I don't I, listen. They've been through a lot of difficulty, and they've sort of dug a, themselves into a hole, a hole that's going to be hard to dig out of. But they are digging as we speak. They, they've been on a bit of a roll. They're making a run. So we'll see. That's my clock, by the way. I got a ship's clock. Can you hear me? I don't, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't so, ship, but but I have a ship's clock. Sorry.
1: Well, we, we hope to have you, you off. <laughs> <laughs> You're off by a minute, Flip, because at three thirty-one it, it went off too.
0: Um, I'm I'm always off by a minute. That's another story.
1: Just saying.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But uh, go ahead, Kev.
1: So um, one of the names, you know, Al, you said you don't know where this depth is going to come from, nor do I, obviously. Um, But the Yankees, I think, might be shoppers at the deadline. Um, Joey Gallo is a name. Um, And Kyle Gibson, if you could package those two, there's a picture uh, from the Rangers. I know um, you'll obviously, and we'll get into it. Be intimate with the Rangers really soon. What do you think on that front?
2: Yeah, no, uh, Kevin, you mentioned two guys that would absolutely help. And look, to go back to the Yankee uh, offense, right? Uh, is it there with Sanchez and Judge and a healthy uh, Stanton and Rugnado Dodor, I think is has created some uh, really nice energy. And and let's watch or er- you know, be healthy, stay healthy, and come back hey, to you- what he was a couple couple years ago. As well as LeMahieu and others, um, so it's there, it's there. But Kevin, to your to to your question, yes. And 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 Kyle Gibson, great pickup by Texas from Minnesota. And other than his back-to-back clunkers, this guy, all-star, ERA uh, low low twos. Um, but he had he had two bad games uh, back. I wonder if Detroit had something on him because anytime. One a team, you know, bangs around one game and then you come back five days later, but which is what exactly what happened to, to Kyle. Any baseball fan knows Joey Gallo's got light tower power, hit it out of any ballpark. He doesn't need a, 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 excuse me swing as a left-hander. I like the left-handed bat in the Yankee lineup. I really do. The Yankees are uh, close to the bottom with, uh, with average and also uh, slugging from left-handed hitters. So they could use the help. And also, Joey could play center field. Um, you know, there's he's he's got that, and he's done it in, in his in his career. So it's not just a, a DH, right fielder, first occasional first baseman. He can play center. Do
0: you see? Uh, we we mentioned the Giants as a as a surprise story. Um, you know, when you look at the, you know the 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 White Sox are to me. You know, from from top to bottom, I look at the White Sox and I see them as. As maybe the team to beat uh, going into the postseason because of the depth in their starting pitching, their offense being what it is, their just their overall the all-around talent on that team. I mean, there are some very good teams. Houston is a very good team. The, the Brewers are very good. We don't. A lot of people don't give the Brewers the, the credit they deserve, but they're very good too. To go oh go yeah. yeah. A lot of teams that are, could 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 make a yeah, real Bre- run.
2: The Brewers, here, here's for you, their, their bullpen, uh, Devin Williams, uh, of course, Josh Hader, but their top three starters, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta, nasty. Na- the numbers reflect and nasty off the chart. Uh, uh, really, really tough, That not comfortable for teams to come in there, but I- I'm with you on the, on the White Sox. I really am. I, I think their rotation – when you have uh, Dallas Keuchel as your fourth starter, you really have an excellent right, left, right, left, down the line, starting with Lance Lynn. Carlos Rodon's already thrown a no-hitter uh, this year. Back to his stuff as a number one pick and healthy. Lucas Giolito, um, is a, he's your three. Um, and then in the bullpen, uh, Liam Hendricks, that was an issue. They bring, they bring in Liam Hendricks. And Michael Kopech is healthy. That, that is a strong club. They're going to have a little bit of trouble at second with Nick Madrigal down. Um, who just had a, in, a knee injury? Um, you know they'll be they'll be shopping for a second baseman.
1: Switching gears, Al. I've been itching to talk to you for weeks because I was glued to the MLB draft. Um, more so this year than any other year prior. Um, so first, obviously, congratulations to you and your family on Jack being drafted. Um, describe the emotions when you hear Jack Leiter' his name being called.
2: Yeah. So. Obviously, amazing, uh, grateful, blessed, uh, appreciative, proud. Uh, anybody who's a parent could imagine, right? You have, you have children that you, they, you, you put them in position to, to uh, you know, provide and then guide them toward different interests. Um, you know, my son, when I was wrapping up my career, he was around big league ballparks. And he always, what I do remember about Jack was he had a glove and a ball in his hand all the time, whether walking on in the Upper East Side before I'd go over to Shea Stadium when I was playing or the end of my career, Yankee Stadium. Um, always playing catch in, in the apartment. We used to have little bounce house balls and he, he, he'd hit the ball and, you know, we didn't care if it hit anything. Um, he, yeah, so he loved it. And as a result of fostering that love, who knows where it was going to take him? And, you know, he started working. So he loved it and he started working and he wanted it to be really good. So I... I when the name was announced, um, you know, it was just a combination of all of it, of all the things as a proud parent, really. Um, but not completely surprised based on his love, his work ethic, and his desire to want to be really good.
1: So you've obviously experienced it from the player side as well as now the parent
2: side, which is more stressful? Oh, please, Kev. <laughs> Come on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I keep score. And, you know, people think I'm a little nutty, but it's really about don't answer that flip. And it's really about, <laughs> it's about me staying busy. And I know during the, the College World Series and all that, they kept they kept finding my wife, Lori and I. But what I do is and I started doing it in summer ball because most of the teams that Jack played on, especially high school and all that, they, they, the coach would call the pitches. Um, you know, the kids are allowed to shake, but they generally don't. So in summer ball, you know, it was a conversation for me to have with my son about, Hey, so that, you know, that John Filippelli in the second inning, he let off the inning, you know, he was really late on the fastball. He was hitting it late over the first base. And I out, why'd you, you know, why'd you just, why'd you throw him breaking ball there? And it engaged the conversation for me to have with my son and it was baseball talk. That's, that's all. So then as it got to where he is now, you know, pitching at Vanderbilt and, you know, being drafted, you know, this next level stuff, I guess, is it kept me busy to not, I guess, get to those that nervous place. So I was while I'm while because it wasn't just keeping score. I I chart, you know, ball strikes, first pitch strikes and win the one one count and some other crazy stuff. Um, It kept me busy. So it lessens my nerves, Kev.
1: (laughs) I get it. You know, Did the, and you, of
2: course, a flip. Of course, I had to have paper in front of me, right? Because I always got, I always got made fun of doing Yankee games because I always had a pile of papers in front of me
0: uh you know it 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 made for a nice set al it looked like you were engaged on that set you had all the all the paperwork there it was always uh always challenging to find when you were looking for your glasses especially under all that paperwork it was very uh, very interesting uh evenings yeah uh, the, uh, oh hold
2: on michael i'm looking for that stack wait a minute i gotta find
0: my glasses who's got my glasses uh the uh
2: Remember the game where my glasses broke and I had I had to put tape on it and you oh, guys yeah. zoomed into the yeah yes we
0: did we did we didn't let that go Al we weren't going to let no, that go uh, no no uh, I'll tell you what's interesting though it, it, it going back to Jack for a second is it's not interesting it's it's hardly surprising knowing you and your wife it's uh, the humility he's got great humility and that's one of the, that's a lighter trait is humility it's a uh, Know, treating people the way you like to be treated and having respect for everybody that's uh, that uh, ultimately uh, we could talk about change-ups and fastballs and sliders and yeah. that's all good but uh but you know that's the other part of that is real important too and he's you got, know what the flip um,
2: so let me i'll just pass i'll, I'll just yeah. further this because i know you're a proud dad of course uh, as a parent but i i've of course received a lot of you know beautiful texts and messages and things from a lot of people that i haven't heard from in years um and Michael the okay? people Yeah. Michael sent me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not yeah. (laughs) Further back than Michael. Um, So, but I, I couldn't be more proud of some of the beautiful things that people were saying about my son who either they coached or scouted him, or he was on one of these, you know, these, these other cool teams that he was on about the person, about the person. And you're right. It wasn't about his vertical movement on his fastball or, you know, the curveball, you know, that it was, You know, your son's a good kid. And um, yeah, boy, I'll take that any day.
1: Yeah, that's that's what's important. Um, Like I said, at the top, I was glued to the draft even weeks prior. I'm reading like every mock draft. Did you allow yourself to look ahead and look at some of these mock drafts and say, hey, Jack might go here or Jack might go there?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to. Uh, I always people were asking me, but what was it like when you were drafted? I was, I was playing in a high school game down in Central Regional in Ocean County. I wasn't pitching that day. I'm on the bench. And a, a local radio guy comes running down the hill at Central Regional. And he says, oh, I just found out on the wire. You were the second pick for the New York Yankees. I'm like, first of all, the wire. I'm not, I'm not 105 years old. What the hell was that? <laughs> and, and that's how I found out because it was all done on phone back then, right? So the, the team sat in these rooms. They had this big conference call. And then the New York Yankees select you know the second pick out later um you know now crazy right in our world with with the phone and twitter and all of it yeah so how could i not kevin right it's 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 in your face there's curiosity um and while it while they are mock drafts i think they the people who do these things they they talk to enough people and it's pretty close you know they're they're you know these mock drafts are pretty close
1: they were. Isn't it crazy though? Right, like you were playing a game. Someone's screaming, "The wire! The wire!" Al got drafted. Right, and we yeah. watched your son live. Yeah. We watched him live get drafted. And just a few decades. Um, that that to me is crazy.
2: Uh, yeah. Yes. He could, been, and,
0: uh... he could have fallen to the Red Sox, although not likely that he would have gone four because of you know his pedigree and all. I mean, and his outstanding. You know, collegiate career, we've fallen that far. But before is not four. Yeah. How
2: would how how would that have worked with with you, Flip? My son's playing for the Red Sox. You'd have, you'd hate Jack.
0: No, I, I wouldn't have <laughs> hated him. I just, I just, you know, I no, I would never hate your son. I just would have, uh, I just would have had to bite my lip from talking to him. That's all. We yeah. yeah. come to an understanding. We'd, no, we'd, here
2: so. So, Flip, this is what I always had to endure when um, yes. I had teammates, when my brother was pitching. My brother, Mark, pitched in the big leagues for 11 years, and, you know, occasionally he would start against the team I was on. And inadvertently, I'm sitting on the bench. I got my work in. I got my coffee in hand. I walk out to the dugout, and I'll get some jerky teammate.
0: Oh, so, Al, who are you rooting
2: for tonight? I'm like, you know what I'm rooting for? I'm rooting for you to go over. That's for sure, the <laughs> fact that you're asking me. But, you know, it came down to this – the, the days that, that I was pitching against my brother or my brother's pitching against me, I said, brother, I love you. I hope you go seven scoreless. And then we win in the eighth or ninth. That's what I rooted for. You
0: so, know what you find I yourself doing too? You know what you find yourself doing a lot? I mean, it, it's different, I think, when it's immediate family, obviously. But, you know, you find yourself like, uh, no matter what uh, the side of the fence you're on or what team you, you support, you find yourself rooting for individuals because you have friends in the game. And, you know, it's hard to, uh, you know, you you want your team to win, but you also would like to see the, the, the friends of yours the people you respect that are close to you like to see them do well so you know it's it's sometimes you get a little torn in, in terms of rooting alliances and things of that nature and at the end of the day ultimately in our position anyway we you know we like to be professional we try to we try to gear ourselves toward being professional but you know we still wear you know we when you work for a ball club and around a ball club it's hard not to have an allegiance to that team it just is
2: it shouldn't be of course flip it i i don't get i know you're a pro and you're a legend I never got that where local broadcast is supposed to pretend like they're not rooting. I, I'm not saying root. You don't yeah. cheer. I don't get that. People, 90% of the people are going to tune into a Mets game tonight or a Yankee game. On. Yes, they're Yankee fans. Do they want to know that the broadcaster doesn't like the Yankees? Come on. It's silly. I, you listen to these critics. <laughs> they're a bunch of morons. The only thing
1: I don't like is when the announcer will say us or we. That's fine.
2: That's- I love Kevin, I agree with you because you us or we, you didn't do anything. Right. But you're but you are a fan. Listen, Jerry Seinfeld had it right. And Flip, I'm glad you said that because I had my son root for players. When he was a little boy, he loved Evan Longoria. He loved Ichiro. He loved uh 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 Miguel Cabrera, uh he loved Jarek Jeter. Like he had players he liked. And I love that because I got that. I was a Met fan growing up in New Jersey, and I get drafted by the Yankees three years out of high school. I'm pitching Yankee Stadium, and Don Mattingly's my first baseman, and Ron Gidry's in the rotation with me, and I'm pitching with Tommy John. I'm throwing to Rick Cerrone. And are you kidding me? Pinch myself. And then I get traded to Toronto, and I play in Toronto for seven years. Like, okay, I guess I'm a Toronto fan. And then I die with the Marlins. Okay, and now I'm with the Mets. All right, that's good too. Seinfeld was right. You're rooting for laundries, logos, and marks.
0: You 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 rooted for Paul Beeston when you were in Toronto. How <laughs> oh, do you know, I not root for Paul Beeston? You know? Oh
2: my God, I love Paul.
0: He's one of the nicest people uh, I've ever met in the game. Really gentleman, good guy. So you know it's hard to and when especially if your team isn't in it, you know it's easy to sort of say, okay, my team isn't in it, so where's my surrogate team? Where where am I going? Where am I allegiance going, going to be in the postseason? Or, you know, uh, I have a National League team. There's a team I follow. I follow. the, I, I like the Padres. I follow the Padres. Padres why um, it, it's 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 the Catholic in me how I just, <laughs> the <laughs> I have Friars the, the Friars of some sort I don't know I, I don't I, I just like the. I like I like the atmosphere I like the ballpark I like the fans I like the I like the players I find them refreshing I like their enthusiasm I like the way they play you know and I think yeah, they've no. suffered for a really long time
2: it's an easy team to like it is and uh, you know gee whiz Fernando Tatis Jr., you talk about like cool for this day and age, and the kids love him. You talk about cool factor, but Major League Baseball's got a gem right there.
0: They've they've got a slew of gems now. They got a slew of really good young players out there, and uh, you know the future of the game. I mean, in terms of the players, is, is extraordinarily bright. I mean, I can't remember this many young superstar players that are are out there. It's quite a few of them.
2: Yeah. Well, Shohei Ohtani. Uh, I, I think is great. I know I mentioned Ronald Acuna, um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Right now, you, you all respective categories. Yeah. Yeah. And I love Juan Soto. And of course, when Mike Trout comes back, we'll talk about yeah. him again. Yeah. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is completely legit. The reason that we heard about him a few years ago, and it took him a couple of years. years. He's scary. I mean, he's got 32 home runs already. He's only behind uh, Otani with 34.
0: So do you take him or Otani? You, you know, if I said to you, you got one, you could pick you're starting an expansion draft where nobody's protected. You got one pick, which one do you take? One. I pick.
2: take Otani. I take Otani. Cause if I could get, even if I could get him to pitch, even if I got him to pitch a couple innings a week, I mean, what he's doing offensively. I mean, he doesn't have the average of, of uh, Guerrero, but as far as uh, power and RBI and all the respective categories, Uh, I, I like Otani. I'm impressed. I'll be honest, guys. I I thought when I watched a lot of video of him in Japan, I was like, oh my God, this guy's electric. He's going to be a pitcher. And then I just thought it's impossible for him to do both. We have to go back to Babe Ruth. So yeah, no, it sounds like a good novelty. I I'm, I'm eating crow. I, I think, I think he can do both.
0: And and he's electric in the sense that you know he's very engaging. He's got a great smile. I know they, you know uh, yeah. and fans really none of the fan base take to him, but everybody seems to take him. He plays with such genuine enthusiasm.
2: Plus, plus Vlad. I mean, if I'm already talking about a young kid, he was a third baseman coming up. You put him at first. He's going to eventually be a DH. You know, it's it's he'll be a one sided ball of the ball player. So uh, yeah, I love Juan Soto down in Washington. I mean, you talk about a, also another. Terrific young dynamic player, yeah.
1: Al, I want to go back to the draft real quick. Kumar Rocker was the other big name coming out of Vanderbilt. What do you think the Mets got in Kumar Rocker, and were you surprised that he was still there at ten?
2: I was surprised, but uh, I think I think they call it uh, I think they call it uh, scouting fatigue. I think I've I've, I've read uh, or heard that where Kumar Rocker was a first rounder out of high school. Um, he turned down first round, goes to Vanderbilt, uh, and, um, you know, spectacular freshman year, throws no-hitter in Super Region, the MVP of the College World Series, uh, you know, COVID hits. And then this year, he was the Friday starter, my son was the Saturday starter. And I watched him. Kevin, the Mets are getting a guy that wants to be great, that will be able to handle the pressure and the media and all of the extra stuff that New York will, will throw at you. Uh, he's got. He's tough. He's mentally tough. His father, Tracy Rocker, was an NFL uh, football player, Outland Trophy winner at Auburn. He's an NFL football coach now for the for the Philadelphia Eagles. His mom, Lou, is a sweetheart and she's tough. Uh, he, he's he's for me. He's definite. I, I he's a he's a big league uh, starter. He's got plus plus velocity. I I seen it with my own eyes. It's a lot of ninety eights really good two breaking balls. Doesn't did, not hasn't used his changeup consistently enough, but it's there. Um, You know, it, good. I I'm, I'm a big fan. I think the Mets have a really good one.
1: There's chatter. He might come up this year. No, you might see him. You don't think
2: so? No, 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 no chance.
1: All right. We're on record now.
2: Well, what do I know? But I know I, I, <laughs> a lot. I, <laughs> I'd say
0: I, uh, Al Leiter knows a lot.
2: Yeah. So
1: Al, I, I lose all these bets. So that's yes. <laughs> Flip wins all these bets. So uh, you're in a good spot. Don't worry. Tell me
0: right. about the Orioles. Tell, tell Al about the Orioles.
1: <laughs> I thought last year in the COVID shortened season that they had an opportunity to make the postseason. I don't think that's crazy. They came out of the gates hot.
0: Yeah, they won oh. three. They won three of their first five. That's hot. <laughs> they you won't did let it early
1: me, on. people won't let me live it down.
2: Yeah. You know what? It's the safe bet. It's just like if you were a a, a scouting director, you want the safe bet, get the college guy who's, who's closer to the big leagues than that, that three sport athlete that you're, you're drafted on future. Uh, how many guys have we seen that over the years that, that, that guy who plays football, basketball, baseball, and five years later, you're wondering where that kid is.
0: Yeah. Well, I excelled at nothing. So I feel good. Oh, Flip,
2: you did all right.
0: Yeah. Uh depends on what your metric is, but.
1: What <laughs> wing of your house are you in?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you want to hear my clock again? You want to hear my ship's clock? <laughs> if we keep going, we will. Uh, no, I know. I don't want to hear around.
2: The, flip. I want to hear the the, the ship uh, foghorn.
0: All right, let's see if I can do this. Hold on a second. Good. <laughs> till I get to the clock here. See, here we go. Ready? I actually
1: was kidding. Speaking Fine of on. Emmys, this is an audio podcast, so we can see, but the listeners can't. I'm losing track of all the Emmys behind Flip.
0: Well, that was that was the bottom. I got to go to the top. Here, we go. Here comes the clock. Here we go. Ready?
1: <laughs> we'll <laughs> add it in
2: post. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Isn't that
0: no, nice? That, that looked
2: like it, we were, it was like the third round bell that was for the fourth round.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice. I really like this clock. I got it as a... I got it as a gift to myself because I waited for somebody to buy it for me and my family. i waited a long time. So I bought myself a gift. And I'm really, really quite impressed with this gift. It's very nice. It's nice to, that it tells time that's like a bonus because it's really sharp looking. Does
2: <laughs> a bird come out in the little bird house?
0: <laughs> that's right. A little pop. Yeah, I mean, you
2: don't remember that when the little doot, doot, yeah, yeah. bird comes yeah, out. Yeah, I would see it's it on cartoons.
0: cartoons. i see the yeah, three the stooges. Clock. The three stooges used that the cuckoo clock. Right. <laughs> All right, well, let's see where this this podcast is going. Just, now I know where we're going here. Um, yeah, well, uh, listen, we've kept you. Flip, you, you know what this, is? Flip, Flip. what this is? Flip, this is
2: this is the sixth inning of a 12-2 game where then you get mad at me and Michael or whoever else is sitting there when we start bantering about nonsense and you say, come on, get back to the game. It's
0: <laughs> <right. 'Cause> 12-2. <laughs> you never know when 12-2 becomes 12-3. You know, you never know. And you got a game on your hands. That's
2: yeah, true. there you go.
0: That's true. There are no small parts only small actors. Remember that. Who oh, said that? that. Oh,
2: um,
0: Doctor uh, Chivago. He didn't even go to medical school. That's that's a misnomer. Crazy. It's true. There you go. Well, Al, thank you so much. We appreciate uh, your time. Always good to see you, my friend. And yes, continued success with everything. And uh, and how are you enjoying life across town? I didn't ask you about the Mets. How are you enjoying life uh, in, in Metville? How's that going?
2: It's good. Hey, look, Metville first place baby I know so uh you know same thing with with uh some injuries guys that have stepped up um you know it's it's been I wonder you know where the Mets would be without Marcus Stroman what he's been able to do had a a little bit of a rough spot Jacob Grom is uh is throwing again so that's good um there's how do you emotions. rate him out
0: how do you how do you speaking of the grom let's, let's just spend a second here yeah All time i mean i mean you're you obviously a student of the game and you know what you're watching and you see his dominance like this i mean when he was coming up and they had you know that they had, they had matt harvey and syndergaard you say out of three he was probably three i mean and now he turns out to be not only the, the best of the three but one of the elite pitchers maybe ever
2: yeah so uh I, I, I let's hope let's tap the brakes on forever because he's got 77 wins. But, uh, what he's done, flip uh, certainly with a couple Cy Youngs, and arguably could have won another one, um, in 20 or, uh, you know, it just, just off the chart. And I think the body of work, I hope that he, we're talking about him in the same light in five years from now. If we could get a few more years, and it doesn't even have to be. At the 170 era or the 240 era, or what he's carrying right now, he's gonna carry right now as we speak. He's got an era right at one. So, but it's you know, all time great stuff in these three or four windows. You put him up with the top guys, you do. And I know there's some argument then because if you go back to Bob Gibson days where the guy completed you know 30 of 38 starts, like it's a different era, so the innings are going to be different, but pure domination in what we're watching with our eyeballs in 2020, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, this window there, he's the best pitcher. So comparatively, I don't know where we go, but right now I'm comfortable to have that roll off my tongue to say he's the best pitcher. I
0: I know it's not fair to say Sandy Colfax because I I saw Sandy Colfax and I was a little, little, when I say I was a little kid, I literally was like nine or 10 years old when I saw him and but ever, ever, and then becoming a student of baseball, which I, I like to think I study the game and I, I know something about it. I, uh, I, I must tell you, his his accomplishments were singularly off the charts. For f- five years, he had a five year stretch of dominance, the likes of which I mean I I've, I've never seen anyone have. I mean, including, you can name it all the greats that have come and gone, and you know since, and uh, but I've never seen anyone dominate the way Sandy Colfax did. And like I said, it's a long time ago, but. I'm kind of reminded of of that through uh, the way Degrom pitches, because he's been so dominant these last couple of years. He just been it's just been him, and, and everybody else?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's fair uh, comparison to some degree. But even with that said, of the yeah. five six years that Sandy was was just beyond it was unconscionable the numbers that he was doing. If you know, for Jacob Degrom, even when he came on the scene in '14. Since 2015, you're talking about a guy in the 2.5 ERA, highest ERA during that period of time was 17, when his ERA was 3.5, and then it was 1.7, 2.4, 2.3, and now we're sitting right at 1. Um, yeah, I, it, it's hard to compare. We can throw right. uh, Just, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, um, Garrett Cole the last few years is, sure. is, 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 is now getting in the conversation. But I, I, Jacob deGrom, uh, impeccable command, uh, now he's added velocity he's got the most you know it, in most fastballs over 100 miles an hour and he's not a closer which is mind-boggling uh, his delivery is is nearly perfect his body doesn't say wow that guy's an adonis he's thin he's lean he's wiry um yeah i'm impressed
0: did yeah, you have conversations with him now you oh
2: yeah him? yeah no i i love jake i he's He's good. And he thinks what I like about it, where, where he cut, you know, look, he was a shortstop at Stetson. Right. And he started to pitch a little bit and there was that two way kind of uh, thought with him, at least as when he was drafted, there's a lot of teams that passed on what, in the ninth round. Um, so, you know, yes, yeah, Stetson university. So I think he comes, I think he comes watching, there you go. Stetson hat. I think, I think he, 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 he analyzes hitters from the perspective of, of a hitter because in his own brain and mind, he thinks he's a hitter uh, because he was, albeit at the college level. And I think that's helpful. I remember when Roger Clemens said that when uh, one of his All-Star games, I think it was in Houston when he was with the Red Sox, and he faced Dwight Gooden. And he's in the box. That's when pitchers actually hit during an All-Star game. And the ball was thrown from Roger or uh, from doc and uh, Roger turns back to the umpire and goes do I throw that hard and I like yeah he goes oh my god I can't hit that so you know the idea of like and it's true when I was in the American League with the Yankees in Toronto before interleague play uh and 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 you know ever hitting until I got to the National League you don't really know how difficult it is is it is to hit until you get in the box and see how hard it is to hit and that's the philosophy I got for uh, Jake and I'm sticking to it.
1: Congratulations again, Al. Appreciate the time. And uh, this is number two for you, right? Number two appearance on curtain call. Yes, yes. We'll have you back, and when we do, we'll talk about Kumar Rocker pitching this baseball season in the bigs.
2: Kev, (laughs) let me get it for you because this Kumar—it's Kumar. Kumar. Yeah, people. I, I said Kumar for the longest time until his mom said it's Kumar.
1: Well, if mom says it, she knows.
2: Uh, right, Kamar. Kamar today, gone tomorrow. Kamar today,
0: <laughs> that's, that's <it. laughs> there you go. But uh, he's got a he's got a quite a career in front of him, too. As well, it's exciting, it's an exciting time for the game. And uh, you know, uh, it's uh, and again, it's really nice to see you again, Al. You're one of the gentlemen in uh, of the game, and it was a pleasure to uh, have you. Uh, at yes, for all the years you were with us, and uh, I miss you. We miss you. I know, Paul. and and then David and Michael uh, talk about you all the time. And, you know, and uh, so, and we, we miss you. We miss you a lot and uh, we wish you good things. And we're very proud of your son. And, and if he grows up and be uh, the professional that his dad was, I mean, you, this is gonna be quite an accomplishment.
2: Thank you, Flip. It means a lot. You're a friend. I uh, appreciate you giving me the opportunity uh, for the 12 years that I was at. Yes. And uh, hey, thanks for inviting me to uh, chat with you guys.
0: Always, always, always welcome here. That's the great Al Leiter.
1: It's amazing when you look at it, Flip. Al telling that story about when he got drafted. And, and he's playing a game and he's talking about somebody running down. I, I envisioned when he said the wire, I envisioned like a kid in knickers and suspenders <laughs> and a hat waving like a newspaper. Al got drafted.
0: Al got drafted. I mean, like in the sting with the wire room. Yeah, they were on the wire room and they're they're following the horse racing in the wire room. And yeah, I mean, it did conjure up images of, uh, you know, the 1920s and 1930s for some reason. And Al's not all that old. He's really not, but it did conjure up those, those kind of images. He's great though. How great a guest is Al
1: Oh, he's so easy to talk to. He is great. Okay. So as promised, let's look ahead to the upcoming road trip flip four in Boston, three in Tampa Bay, three in Miami. Uh, we'll talk about how many you think the Yankees need to win. Um, but as we record this, the Yankees are coming off an exhausting extra innings game. What does that mean for them? Meaning, is there a quote unquote hangover? Are they tired as they go to Boston, or is momentum just carrying them?
0: Well, I mean, if if they don't play well, then people will say that they had a hangover and that they were tired and they run the, the adrenaline wore off. Um, you know, from the you know the, the the games against the Red Sox at the stadium and then the Phillies. But the truth of the matter is that a lot of these players are very young, and um, you know they're they're too young to get exhausted. To be, believe it or not, they'll they'll go on adrenaline and be just fine. They're just excited to be in the big leagues, and you know the more you win, the more the more uh, you start to believe that you you can win and you will win. So th- this recent winning streak has put them in really good stead in a number of ways. Not the least of which to say that they're really very much in it you're double digits out this time of year you're really going to struggle to stay be in. It. It's a Herculean task. but you know there's seven out as we record this there's seven out in the in the, in the lead behind the Red Sox and they're three and a half behind the second wild card team which right now is uh, Oakland. So you know the Yankees have a, have a real shot. they have a real shot and uh, and again there's there's enough games left where they they could they continue to play well, they'll make a move. Again, it's about winning series. keep winning series, good things will happen. We always talk about stay on the field right? We also talk about winning series. When you win series, good things happen.
1: glad you brought up the A's because um, I get it. I mean, the Red Sox series is a sexy series, but the Yankees do need to win three or four if they want to make up any ground. Um, and at the risk of letting, I guess, facts get in the way of a good story. I think it's really the A's and the wild card. That's their next hurdle for the Yankees. That's who they should have their eye on next. Am I right?
0: I think if you're the Yankees, you just win, just put together as many wins as you can, because ultimately you're going to gain on somebody, whether it's the second wildcard team, which is Oakland at this point, or, you know, it's a division rival in first place, Red Sox. I mean, every game the Yankees could beat them is a two game swing swing. And, and obviously, conversely, every game you lose a two-game swing as well. So the Yankees have a shot to make up some real ground there and to make this very interesting race come September. And, um, you know, and I, I think they're poised to do so. I, and I do think they're, they're not going to go away quiet, quietly.
1: Okay, it's a 10-game road trip for the Yankees. Four and six, I don't think that cuts it. What do you think? What do the Yankees need to do on this four, on this 10-game road trip?
0: At the very least, they have to hold serve. I mean, they have to go five and five. If they do any worse than that, you know, depending on how much worse, you know, they could find themselves, you know, starting to move away from the pack and going into going in the, you know, a negative direction. And they don't want to do that. If they can, if they can do six and four in the next ten, that's not so bad. And they'll pick up ground on somebody. And and I do think that obviously that's important this time of year because you start you'll get to a point where you, you know once we hit August, you've got August and September. That's it. That's it. Two months, and it sounds like it's a lot, but it's really not a lot. The Yankees have to start, continue to win. It not like they start winning. If they hadn't won up until this point, I'd say, well, maybe it's a little late. But if they want to really be, if they really want to be, uh, you know, buyers and not sellers, if they really want to compete in a very talented American League East, and uh, if they want to to stay relevant in this thing, they obviously have to string some wins together and play better than they're playing. Although... um, at the end of the day, it really comes down to obviously how many games you could win. So the Yankees have to continue to, to uh, you know, uh, continue this run that they've been on, which right now is a very nice little run.
1: Is asking for seven and three too much? Because that's... That's what I have written down. That's my prediction.
0: No, if they do seven and three, they would have exceeded all expectations. And you put that together with the put the seven, three, or whatever they are, I think in their last 10, that would make them 14 and six in their last 20 against the teams that they had to come up big against. And if they do that, then then they absolutely would have and and they And they absolutely did come up large.
1: So if they do come out of here, this 10 game road trip looking good, I, I assume you think that they're going to be buyers right at the deadline.
0: Yes, it's not the Yankee way to be sellers. They wore that in 2016. I don't know that they'll be that again because that says that's it just says to everybody that, that, that here we, we wave the flag, we give up. That's not the Yankee way, it's not who they are, and there's no reason to, to wave the flag right now because you're, you're very much in this thing. It seems like it's a lot. It's seven games is, is not easy, three and a half is not easy for the second wild card, but the reality is the reality, and the Yankees are very much in this thing. They just are. So we'll see where it takes.
1: While we're uh while we're on the topic of trades, how about we do some listener emails? Cause some of them are uh some of them are about trades. And if you want to email us, the address is curtaincall at yesnetwork.com. And while we're giving you homework, please rate, review, and subscribe. That really is the best way that you can help us. All right, Flip, you ready for some mail?
0: Ready. Time for something.
1: Okay, first one comes from JT in Toms River, New Jersey. Hi, guys. With the trade deadline fast approaching, I'd love to get your take on which you think was the best trade the Yankees ever made. Well, that's crazy because the Yankees have been around forever and they made a ton of good trades. You are, you first or me, Flip? There you go. So I was hoping you'd say you so I could.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, me, me. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's trades and there's player acquisitions. If we're talking player acquisitions, obviously the Babe Ruth would be the most important player acquisition because uh,
1: ah, that's why I wanted you to go first. I didn't think you would get it.
0: Well, guess what? Oh, contraire, I did.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was the best trade. I agree. All right, but like, how about trade? Trade? Real trade?
0: Okay, real trade. Real trade.
1: There are two that I like in particular.
0: I mean the history of the Yankees. That's that's saying a lot. I mean, uh, Roger Maris getting Roger Maris uh, back in the you know day, two time MVP helped the Yankees win a bunch of World Series back in the early '60s was obviously a very important acquisition for them. Um, oh, I don't know. There's just it's a lot of ways to go here, but in terms of uh, uh, trades, I that's would say the Maris deal. Paul O'Neill for Roberto Kelly is a pretty interesting one because that
1: that's one of them. Yep, I love that deal.
0: That, that's a more contemporary one, and but has contemporary importance to it, no doubt. And and he he helped, obviously, make the Yankees into the the, the dynamic force and the dynasty that they became.
1: The other one for me is um, the Blue Jays trading David Cohn to the Yankees in exchange for Jason Jarvis, Mike Gordon, and Marty Jansen. Not only did the Yankees make out on that deal, but with that deal and then the one that you were talking about, the Paul O'Neill deal, that's two of our colleagues.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We got two colleagues in, in, in deals, and, and uh, they have both stood the test of time, uh, both for what they did on the field and, and also for what they did behind the microphone.
1: One of my other favorite deals is, because Ricky Henderson is my favorite player of all time, uh-huh. uh, in 84, the Yankees get Henderson from the A's for a package, uh, which I guess was highlighted by, I guess, Eric Plunk and Jose Rio.
0: Yes. Uh, uh, Jose Rio was actually, very, Rios was actually a very good pitcher. Yeah, uh, but never quite reached his potential. But was going to be a, uh, you know, he was uh, he was the second coming of that good. I think that's the way he was viewed. Except he never made it to from the second coming. He never made it to the first coming spot. But but was a good was a good pitcher. Pluck was a was a serviceable reliever. But certainly the, they were nowhere could the, the, the contributors that uh, um, that were uh, such an, an integral part of the deal.
1: I'm going back here on baseball reference real quick i love it yeah i was right so then the yankees trade him back to the a's for eric plunk which is hilarious it is oh geez all right second email is from rants from morristown another new jersey listener i really enjoyed your half season awards though there was one that i think you left out the biggest surprise of the year. I'd love to get your respective takes on what you thought has been the biggest surprise of the season so far. Ironically, we just talked about that with Al. Um, Al picked the Giants having the best record in all of baseball, which it, it's hard to disagree with that. What, what do you think, Flip?
0: I think the Giants obviously are a big story. I mean, uh, Al talked about that and, and rightfully so big, big, big story. First team that wins 60 to 60 wins so far. Uh, but Having said that, I, I think the Dodgers will will catch them. I just do. I think the Dodgers have too much talent and uh, Dodgers are starting to hit stride now. So I, I think they'll be able to catch the Giants. Not to say the Giants haven't had a great year or that they won't win the West, but that's a very tough division between the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres. Don't forget the Padres, what they've been able to do. And that's a great story as well. So, yes, absolutely. But I think the Brewers – to me, are just astounding. If you look at that pitching staff, and you know, and Al talked about this too. Was the the depth of that starting rotation that they have? What they bring every day, uh, the depth of, of the talented players that they have, that they've been you know ab- 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 able to trade and develop, and just been put together in, in draft. They've been put together many, many different ways, and and but anyway, you look at it, it's a testament to a very, very well-constructed team and a successful organization. That would be the Chicago White Sox. So I I think that they're a great story. I think Houston has, you know, in the face of all that they've had to, uh, with the scandal still haunting them and dogging them. I think they've played extremely well. You know, you've got stories everywhere, everywhere in the game. There's some stories and particularly some very good young players who are weaving some very interesting narratives.
1: So as you're talking, I'm looking behind you. I see on the wall, you have some scripts. Are any of those a Sopranos script?
0: Yes, uh, is have, that right? Yes, I have a script from the from the Sopranos show, uh, signed uh, by the the original cast of the Sopranos, and um, and uh, I'm very good friends with Steve Sharippa, who uh, gave us a really nice. Uh, they do a uh, he does a podcast called Talking Sopranos with Michael Imperioli, and they gave us a really really wonderful pop. So some really nice things about the show and us, and it was very very nice of them to do. It's uh, much appreciated, and, uh, but uh, yes, uh, I'm a big Sopranos fan.
1: Yeah, so I'm just going about my business this week, doing my own thing. And same day, I got five different texts from listeners of Talking Sopranos saying, Steve Sharippa said your name. (laughs) It was the coolest thing. Isn't it cool? Yeah.
0: We hope to have them... uh... We hope to have them on center stage uh, in November. They're going to do a little bit of a reunion and they've got uh, some books coming out. They're doing a collective coffee table book on the Sopranos. And obviously Steve and Michael will be in the middle of it. So uh, we'd like to return the favor and have them come on center stage and uh, maybe get to to make a cameo on on Curtain Call as well.
1: Again, another one because Sharipa. we've had Sharippa.
0: Mm-hmm. He's a great guest. He's a, it's interesting because he's one of the, I mean, how many, uh, how many people could you say, though he's been a couple of very successful series, he's been two of the most iconic series in the history of television. One was The Sopranos, the other was Blue Bloods.
1: Oh, you know, a lot of people forget about Blue Bloods, but that's a great show.
0: They shouldn't. It's one of the most iconic series in the history of television. It's been on, I guess, 12 years now, although, uh, you know, there's been some v- really good runs, but outside of anything called Law and Order, you know which has been out for like yeah. a thousand years in several different incarnations um the reality is that uh, uh steve has done just an incredible job in being in those two series and you know and he's um, he's a good guy I, I like him he's got a great life story he was a, a, a former you know bouncer in you know las vegas and you know through one a series of breaks managed to uh to uh, do some very very impressive things and um and uh And find himself with a very nice they started at age 40. To start 40 in show business is really difficult. He started at age 40 and he just excelled everywhere he went. So that's it's kind of not kind of a good story. It's a very good story.
1: Well, good things happen to good people. And he's a good, good person, great personality. Of course, of course, he was gonna he was gonna make it. Before we go, I want to tell you about some things that happened this week. What do you think? Flip yes, please. July 19th, 1975. Thurman Munson has a first inning RBI single taken away from him because pine tar was too high up on his bat so it's its own little uh pine tar game ironically same week same week in 1983 the george brett pine tar game
0: is that right wow yeah
1: isn't that nuts
0: no, pine tar pine tar is us pine tar are us <laughs> that's the pine tar no wedding
1: July 23rd, 1957, Mickey Mantle hits for the cycle. It's his first and only cycle. But what I want to know from you, Flip, would you rather go four for four with two home runs, a double and a single, or hit a cycle? Uh,
0: that's an interesting question. I, I, think, I think the cycle, because it's just so rare, it's such an anomaly to be able to do it on any level. I would think the cycle would be, uh, be the most interesting. <laughs>
1: No, the answer is two home runs, a double, and a single. Why? Well, it's more total bases.
0: No, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, no, I guess it, you're right. It is. I
1: wasn't yeah, thinking. everyone, everyone says the cycle.
0: Yeah, because it's so it's such a rare accomplishment.
1: Yeah, know? I'd so rather get, have the two yeah, home runs.
0: Yeah, I get it. I understand. That that makes more sense to me. I wasn't thinking like that, but. That's one for you, Kev. So that's 551 for Flip, one for Kev. I was due. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, big time. <laughs> On that note, I, I got to leave while I'm up ahead. Had a very exciting show. We did some uh, review of the first half. Did a little preview of the second half of the season. We had a very special guest, in Al Leiter, who was always a lot of fun. We talked about his uh, his son embarking on his incredible, what's going to be, I'm sure, an incredible major league career. What a special kid uh, Jack Leiter is, number two player in the in the draft. So it's uh, very very exciting to see him launch and to, to share some of that excitement with us. That was a wonderful thing. And um, so we did a little of that. We did a little of this, a little of that. And at the end of the day, we had some fun. So the words of the great Ashley Fugazi, it's time to land the plane. So what do you say, Kevin? You want to land this plane?
1: Let's land it. Great review, subscribe.
0: Bye.